Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Lead Graph Podcast. I'm your host, Natalia. Uh, and just some quick housekeeping things. Make sure to follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at Lead Graph Podcast. That's spelled L-E-D-E-G-R-A-F Podcast. Um, and please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. It really, really does help the show grow. And as a reminder, episodes do come out every other Monday, um, so make sure that you tell a friend. And I want to welcome you back to the Lead Graph Podcast, where we take the story buried on page 12 and make it the main headline. Each episode, I do a quick deep dive into a story or topic that may not be getting the attention it deserves. Today's episode is the first in a new series where I'm highlighting Black folks that should have been the lead graph. While February is over, Black history isn't. It's not just regulated to one month, but should be celebrated year-round. So for today, I'm highlighting Monica Roberts, transgender rights activist, writer, journalist, and founder of the Transgrio, who passed away in early October 2020. She should have been the lead graph. While there's a lot to discuss when it comes to Monica's life and her work, I'm only going to be able to cover a fraction of it. As always, a quick disclaimer, I'm not an expert on Monica's work or transgender rights. I encourage listeners to seek out transgender rights leaders and organizations who can better articulate lived experiences. I'm merely a storyteller, journalist, listener, and as always, a huge fan of binging 90s sitcoms sharing these lead graphs with you. So, today's episode, what's it going to look like? First, I'll give you a quick overview of Monica and her life. I'll dive into what her blog, The Transcriot, is, then do a quick highlight on her journalistic work highlighting the murders of transgender people, then talk a little bit about the legacy she's left, and then of course offer some resources where you can dive in further. Monica's life. Born in 1962, her mother was a school teacher and her father a DJ. Monica grew up in Houston, Texas, and got a job working at the Houston airport for about 14 years. In interviews, Monica says that she started to feel different around the age of five. According to her, her father was not initially happy about her transition, but eventually, quote-unquote, got it. But the process was a lot easier for her mother, that relationship taking about two years to fully come to fruition. Monica began her physical transition in 1994. With transitioning came new challenges that she didn't expect. When she started her transition, she was no longer seen as a threat, but as a woman, she was seen as less competent and not as proficient. In an interview with Bitch Media, Monica said, It wasn't until 1976 when Renee Richards got outed and fought to play in the U.S. Open as herself that I had the words to describe what I was feeling. The other question I kept asking myself as I struggled with my gender identity issues was, where were the trans people who looked like me? 
She became a strong voice in local politics of Houston. When George W. Bush served as governor in Texas, she became more involved in transgender political advocacy. She later moved to Louisville, Kentucky, and that's where she devoted herself full-time to activism. Her platform grew and she became a go-to source for national LGBTQ advocacy and organizations and news outlets. In an interview, Monica described her blog as a proud, unapologetic Black trans woman speaking truth to power and discussing the world around her. Now let's dive in to the Transgriot, Monica's blog. While many know that the blog is obviously online, Monica actually started the Transgriot in 2004 as a newspaper column in The Letter, a Louisville GLBT paper. The goal was to focus on trans issues from a POC perspective. It became an online blog on the first day of January in 2006. In an interview, Monica said, I have been the one black trans-owned blog consistently reporting on trans issues from an Afrocentric perspective for 10 years, and I'm proud of it. That longevity means that I get quoted by other media when trans-specific issues pop up, like when I recently put Caitlyn Jenner on blast. I have been told by five trans people that reading trans posts dissuaded them from committing suicide. Her blog continued to have a profound impact in the transgender community. She believed that the contributions and wins made by trans and queer people of color needed to be highlighted in the movement and emphasized that the movement wasn't just about the equality of trans folks, but the equality for all people. Her blog was unique for many reasons but its main impact was outlining the Black transgender experience in a way that other news outlets weren't at the time. Monica talked about how in the beginning it was difficult to find connections to the Black trans experience in Africa, in the U.S., and how it was difficult to find trans illustrators for her blog. The content on the trans ranged from NFL picks to murder in the transgender community. The blog has been the one Black trans-owned blog consistently for well over a decade. Through its lifetime, the publication was largely self-funded. Her goal was always to keep the blog running for as long as possible. From an interview with the Daily Beast, Monica said, we know for a fact that the first 48 hours are critical in any murder investigation in whether the person gets justice. So when you deliberately misgender a victim, then you're delaying justice for the trans person who has been murdered. Now let's dive in to Monica's reporting on murders in the transgender community. In recent years, Monica made it her mission to also report on the murder of folks in the community. Often, local reports would dead name these victims and make it more difficult to solve the cases. In January of 2020, she was featured on MSNBC talking with Candace Gibson about the harms and dangers of anti-trans rhetoric and how it leads to violence against transgender people. Just like her blog, Monica's investigations were mostly self-funded. She told the Daily Beast that she got tired of them being disrespected in death. 
According to the Daily Beast, she would start her investigations by using Facebook, looking for deaths in the transgender community, then continued by combing through local news reports of recent killings in the area. She was known for taking only about 30 minutes to find the name of a transgender person who had only been identified by their dead name in local coverage. Her findings would later appear on the transcript. Much of the reporting that we heard about transgender victims is because of Monica Roberts. Even advocacy groups used her as a first-hand source. She would call out local papers and police departments for misgendering victims, which made it more difficult to solve their murders. In an interview, she wanted to make it clear that IDing transgender victims isn't about just doing right by the LGBT community, it's about securing justice. Now what's her legacy? Throughout her lifetime and throughout the lifetime of the transgriot, Monica was duly recognized. In 2016, Monica received a special recognition award from GLAAD. She was the first trans person to win the Phillips Brooks House Association's Robert Cole's Call of Service Award. Then, in 2017, Roberts received the HRC John Wessel Equality Award from the Human Rights Campaign. In 2018, she won the award for Outstanding Blog at the GLAAD Media Awards. During the 50th anniversary of Pride, the online magazine Queerty named her among 50 heroes leading the nation towards equality, acceptance, and dignity for all. After her passing in January of 2021, friend of Monica's and transgender advocate Dee Dee Waters announced her plans to establish Transcriot LLC in honor of the life, legacy, and continue the work of Monica Roberts. Monica had such an impact on a community that is often forgotten, and her legacy lives on. Thank you all so much for listening to hear a little bit about the life and legacy of Monica Roberts. As always, I have some resources for you. If you'd like to dive deeper, which I think you should, please check out organizations like GLAAD, the Human Rights Campaign, and the National Center for Transgender Equality. Monica's blog, The Transcriot, is still up and you can still look at it. And of course, I've included a link in the show notes. You can also check out the article by Stephen Kuritz in the New York Times, Monica Roberts, Transgender Advocate and Journalist, Dies at 58, or How Monica Roberts Became One of America's Most Respected Black Trans Journalists by Aisha Ajani, How Transgender Activism Changed in the Past Decade by Dennis R. Upkins, Inside Monica Roberts' Mission to Identify Transgender Murder Victims by Samantha Allen, and I also encourage you to watch Monica's acceptance speech at the 2016 GLAAD Gala event. And that's it. Thank you for joining me in the first of this series highlighting Black folks that should have been the lead graph. Please connect with the show on Instagram and Twitter at Podcast. And if you'd like to email me to say hi or just want to chat or have a story that you think should be the lead graph, feel free to email me at leadgraphpodcast at gmail.com.
And as always, I'm your host, Natalia, a storyteller, journalist, listener, writer, and a huge lover of binging 90s sitcoms, sharing these lead graphs with you.